Hello, welcome to another fantastical episode of Say by the 90s. My name is Adam Patterson. With me today, we've got Ken Bakley. Hey, Ken. Hello. Uh, this month on the show, we have four fantasy comedies to discuss. So let's dive straight into our first feature, the Far Out sequel, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey. This is directed by Peter Hewitt. Came out on July 19th, 1991. I have a synopsis here. A tyrant from the future creates evil android doubles of Bill and Ted and sends them back to eliminate the originals. Uh, this is, uh, I, I just revisited this movie. Like, I guess it was, wow. I guess it was like three years ago now. Cause it was when Bill and Ted three came out and I'm pretty sure that was during the pandemic. So I guess mm-hmm. it was like three years ago, uh, as a kid. So I loved Bill and Ted as a kid. I was like, so, so into the, these movies, the, the first two. And, uh, this one was always my favorite one. I think I think maybe it had to do with the androids. I liked I liked the whole e- the evil Bill and Ted thing, and I also liked the scene when they got sent to hell because uh, I thought it looked really cr- like cool visually. And I liked the, all of the stuff with uh, the Grim Reaper, how they were uh, playing the games against the the Grim Reaper, played wonderfully played by William Sadler. I liked him as the Grim Reaper in this. Anyway, uh, Ken, what were your initial impressions of Bill and Ted's bogus journey? Uh, this is this is a very enjoyable movie, and for many of the same reasons you, you uh, describe, like not just the the vibe of it and, and the lead characters, but there's just so many kind of small details to it that really make it work. Because this is very much a movie that is the sum of, of those kind of smaller components so yeah it's a it's the it it is a kind of movie that's just sort of uh works as perceiving these details i guess to say to contrast with more uh of a plot dependent comedy which this is these are not no definitely (laughs) to put it lightly yeah (laughs) definitely not but i i think I think that that's what makes it fun is that it just kind of you don't you don't exactly know where it's going. It's just kind of it's just kind of floating through and you you just you just take it in. You just spend some time with these two goofy characters. And it's kind of interesting, too, because like maybe maybe some people find these movies to be like annoying, but I I, I find them to be just kind of endearing and and charming. And it's it's kind of interesting, too, because another movie that we're going to be talking about in a little bit sort of has the same kind of characters in a way, like the kind of California, like the SoCal kind of surfer dude vibe. But, like, that movie does everything wrong to me in making Mm. with, with the characters where... It is uh, annoying and abrasive, whereas Bill and Ted are just likable people. Like they're just they're just likable characters. Did you mm-hmm. see the new one? I have not seen the new one. The new one is great. Like it is mm-hmm. way better than I expected it to be. I went in with kind of n- low expectations, and I just thought I thought it was so good. It's a very uh, it's a very heartfelt movie which is kind of interesting it, it it really is a feel-good movie in a lot of ways and i think mm-hmm. that like revisiting the original two as an adult i think that those are feel-good movies as well when i saw them as a kid maybe i just focused on the you know the individual pieces like the the kind of goofy stuff but watching them now i can kind of look at it as a whole and be like you know what these are kind of wholesome like these these movies mm-hmm. are just kind of wholesome and <laughs> and and fun they're just so lighthearted but there's also something very enveloping about them because even though as i said it's it's a plot driven movie where the world still matters a lot and so there's so many it's it is so kind of detailed and and thought out yeah it is it is kind of interesting it, the, the movie has a 20 million dollar budget which I don't understand how it has that budget because it seriously looks like this movie was made for like a hundred bucks that it like, <laughs> even though some of the sets are, I think impressive, uh, 
again, just coming back to the hell, the hell like set. I liked the the look of like that long corridor where they had the different rooms that were like their own personal hells. Like that 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 whole sequence was really great. But you know, some so much of this movie just looks so cheap and bad. <laughs> uh, like specifically, like the costumes from all the costuming from the future, like those scenes look ridiculous like those people are just wearing foam they're just wearing cut out foam and it just i I know i understand that that's how it was in the first one too and they probably didn't want to make it too different but it just it looks bad not not that that actually detracts from the movie at all no no not at all I wonder if sequels are just generally going to be more expensive if because you know people can ask for more money to come back yeah, I mean, that's probably that probably does have something to do with it. Certainly, this this, this is kind of, there's kind of a big cast here. Yeah, there's a big <laughs> you cast. don't realize it going in. There's a big cast, and they're just the scale, just the scale in general is much bigger. A lot more sets and stuff. You have, in addition to hell, you have heaven, and then you have, uh, you have some pretty. You have the two the two creature creatures, the station creatures. Those are probably pretty expensive to make, and then um, the there's uh, the robots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, like so. I the robot. I guess I could see some cost on the screen, but like for the most part, it still just looks kind of kind of cheap. Yeah. But yeah, still, yeah. still, uh, I think it's still a really great time. Oh, yeah. um, if you're not familiar with the, the plot of this one this involves a lot of time travel too but to make things more complicated the the robots who are sent to eliminate bill and ted actually do kill them and they end up going <laughs> to hell which mm-hmm. is kind of crazy if you think about it i love that i thought the scene was so funny when they when that they actually do kill them and they spit on them uh-huh uh, because evil Bill and Ted really are evil, and the whole the whole movie, they're, yeah. every time they're in a car, they're trying to kill as many cats as they can. <laughs> I would say that you know, there's some things that certainly don't hold up over time. Some of the dialogue and the language, I think that they drop the f the f slur like two or three times. Yeah, which is um, not great. But... No, it's not great. I mean it it's a product of its time, you know. Yeah, like you got to kind of excuse it for that because that was yeah. just normal back then, mm. unfortunately. Yeah. But yeah, they do say to, uh, <laughs> it, it, but it's jarring. It's still jarring. Yeah, well, yes, it's very, it's very, it's very surprising because it's not, you know, it, it it's not, you're not, you're not expecting it. You're, it's, it's a movie that kind of lulls you in. And so, yeah. And then when they, do something like that you're just like oh like, oh wait okay. no, yeah all right uh, whoa. now these now now i feel a little bit different about these characters <laughs> especially because it's bill yeah. and ted saying it you know like it's not like the, it's not like evil bill and ted. yeah it's just no yeah. it's all regular so bill that, and ted dropping the f slur that's definitely not good well um they they don't do it so much in the uh the new one so I would I would assume not. <laughs> so it seems like they they learned. You know, they learned. They grew over time. I I appreciate that. It's yeah. I I do want to watch the 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 third one. I have not seen it. It was on Max. It, I I'm assuming it still is because that's I know that it was one of those deals where they just dropped it on Max during the pandemic when when yeah. uh, they were doing that. I don't have Max anymore. Actually, I don't have Netflix a lot of the time now just because of the kind of the, the cost of the different things. Although I do have Netflix right now because three of the four, actually the other three movies that we're talking about this month are on Netflix right now. Uh, and so uh, I realized that I would save more money at the ten just a month at the $10 Netflix tier than renting them all individually. <laughs> Uh, unfortunately, well, I have Netflix through my cell phone provider, so I get Netflix included and Apple TV Plus. I, I don't know why we're talking about streaming services now. It's just uh, if, you, go, you go to it's easy to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah, but it's it's how it's how 
where lots of unfortunately movies are it's just how we live now yes ah i miss the video store uh mm. peter hewitt the director of of this movie did uh he did he did a couple he did a number of different things a lot of it looks like typical a lot of tv here he did tom and huck after uh, Bill and Ted, he did Tom and Huck, the one with uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, JTT. We'll probably talk about him or this movie at some point on this show because JTT was such a huge part of the 90s. Mm-hmm. Looks like he did uh, an episode of Tales from the Crypt. Bunch of other TV. Oh, he did the Garfield movie from 2004. So, <laughs> you know, that that got that going. Home Alone, The Holiday Heist from 2012. Not even sure I heard oh. of that. <laughs> what number Home Alone is that? I have no idea. Oh, it looks terrible. Fifth, it looks like. Oh, God. Most recently, it looks like he did a, a movie called Her- Herotica. Is this, is this a porn? Did he do a porn here? No, no, it's got regular actors in it. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not. Uh, I mean, it usually it, it's called Herotica, and it says video. Yeah. Video. So, so that that leads yeah, me to believe that, 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 that was a bit of an ominous sign. But uh, okay, well, no, whatever. It's whatever, completely unreleased. It looks like. Yeah, whatever that is. Um. So yeah, I don't know. I I guess I don't. I don't. I haven't really seen enough Peter Hewitt to uh, make a, any kind of opinion on, on his stuff. No. I will say that Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is probably his best movie. That would be my guess. Oh, he did The Borrowers, too. So so I guess after Bill and Ted, he got into the, the, like the live-action family comedy game for a minute. Was have, that was a genre that was having a really good time in the nineties. Oh yeah, man. I mean, we'll we'll definitely have to discuss that. Like in like the borrowers, Indian in the cupboard, like the, all all those those movies. Stuart Little, even. We're kind of talking about it today, really. Yeah. Considering what else is on our lineup. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. Uh, anything else you want to add about Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey? Uh, no, that's uh. That's about uh, that's about it. All right. Next up, we're talking about Hook. This came out December eleventh, nineteen ninety one. Feels like a bit of a Christmas movie in a lot of ways. It's very it's it's very Christmassy in in certain parts. Yeah. The the score I think is one thing that adds a lot to the Christmas vibes. It just mm-hmm. even though it doesn't explicitly take place, or maybe I guess do the is that what they do? They they go to visit. Wendy over the holidays maybe it, I, it doesn't um, explicitly seem to say that it like is during it, it seems like it's during the winter certainly but I don't remember them explicitly saying I, I or do I why do I feel like I might I don't know I, I, I don't this the score is definitely has a kind of a Christmassy score to it anyway we'll just say they're visiting a Christmas it makes sense yeah it does uh, this is directed by Steven Spielberg. I have a synopsis here. When Captain James Hook kidnaps his children, an adult Peter Pan must return to Neverland and reclaim his youthful spirit in order to challenge his old enemy. Uh, now, this is a movie that, if I remember correctly, and this is like just me going off pure like what I remember as a kid, I, I don't think it was very well received. Am I? Am I you correct? Are correct? Am I correct? Okay. This is not a well received movie. As a kid, I I very much liked this movie. I thought that this movie was was great. I owned it on VHS, watched it quite a lot, um, and revisiting it now as an adult, I can I can see why it has a very strong appeal to kids and less so to adults. But yes, even as an adult, I still thought it was fine. Like I still enjoyed it. I think there are parts of this movie that do work in in certain ways. 
I think this this is the first... I never saw this as a kid. This is my first time seeing it, and so I, I just... Uh, this didn't really do it for me. It's, uh... It's certainly a different take on the whole Peter Pan thing. And I think that it... It gets, uh... It gets pretty annoying at times. And actually, you know, maybe it's because I saw it a bunch as a kid and I don't know, but watching it this time, I I was getting so bored. Like, I felt like this movie just kept going on and on and on. Yes, I think that's a major problem with it in a lot of ways. One, it does sort of go on. And and two, it's it, it feels like it's caught between a lot of different approaches and how it wants to tell its story. Uh, and so it's just sort of vacillating a lot without a really clear sense of direction, uh, compounded with the fact that it's almost two and a half hours long and you really do start to feel it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing that I enjoyed was just all of the set design I thought was, was quite good. The production design in this is pretty fantastic. Um, you know, you, you, we've talked about this before. You just don't really see movies like this that have these really elaborate sets anymore um at least not too many of them i think that a lot of it's just done with cg and they're just acting in a giant green room at this point mm-hmm. um but like the like that final battle between the lost boys and the pirates is so elaborate and there's yeah. so many people on screen mm-hmm. and they're just like swinging from from different ships to the dock and like it, there's just so much going on. It's just complete chaos. And that, that looks awesome. I, I still like the, the, the scene that like the dinner scene when they're eating the imaginary food and then have the food fight. Like I still like that scene. Um, a lot of the, the kids stuff with the lost boys is, I, I feel like doesn't really hold up and it's pretty annoying now. I guess, mm-hmm. I guess yeah. again, as viewing it as an adult. Yeah, I think there is a lot to the... It's a movie that, that has lots of good set pieces, um, but just from a technical level, just to kind of marvel at, at, at what is being accomplished and what you're seeing. But it, there, I just didn't really feel much to it put together. I didn't feel like it was... It, 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 yeah. Yeah. It, didn't didn't really gel with you. No. No. I think I think a large portion of the enjoyment that I got out of it was just nostalgia. Like the mm-hmm. Rufio, Rufio and looky yeah. looky, I got hooky. Like all that stuff I remember fondly as a kid. But man, like I feel like this movie could have been cut back by at least 30 minutes maybe even an hour like the whole the amount of time that it takes him to become peter pan is staggeringly long and then after he becomes peter pan he forgets about like for some reason he forgets that he was like an adult and he just like reverts back to his childhood self and forgets about his kids and stuff and i was just like now we got to go the other way now we got to what like spend all this time getting him to go the other way. Ugh. Like mm. it was just, ugh, just too too much. And um, also, like I felt like there was a huge emphasis on him saving his son, and the 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 daughter got like constantly like thrown by the wayside. Where he's like, "Release my son!" And it's like, "Well, mm-hmm. what about your daughter, dude?" Like, yeah, yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, I would say for an adult going back to it, I think that this might be one that could carry some nostalgic, you know, charm for you. But I feel like if you're an adult and you're watching this for the first time, you're not going to have a good time with it. Like, I know I didn't. (laughs) uh, my, My dad's actually here visiting and he was like, I hated this movie. He's like, I just, I straight up hated this movie. And I can totally see, see that. This was nominated for five Academy Awards, though. I, I, I mean, I, yeah, like in the, I assume in the, in the technical categories, there, there are lots of just fascinating yeah, set, achievements. Here. Set direction, costume design, visual effects, makeup, and music. Hmm. John Williams. Okay. 
for the song When You're Alone, which mm-hmm. uh, I, I don't even, I can't even recall that. No, I guess it goes over the credits or something. Yeah, probably. <laughs> also, it's weird that this was a Steven Spielberg movie. You know, like, there's just something, yeah. there's something about this that does not feel very Spielbergian to me. I think the best that you would do, like, guess going in, is if you didn't know who directed it, I think you could probably come away from it and think, this was this was an okay movie done by someone trying to imitate Spielberg. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, it, like it, maybe it was, in, like, one of those, uh, maybe it was, like, a... Nah, I don't, I don't want to besmirch Frank Marshall or anything, but, you know, maybe, maybe no, it was one we, of those Amblin crew. Yeah, that, that, I mean, basically, last month was the the Frank Marshall podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I think if you look at, like, some of the commentary uh, from, from then and from now, I think there's a reading of this movie that it's kind of like Spielberg's own midlife crisis movie sort of reflecting uh, the depiction of, of Robin Williams' character as an adult in it. And so it, it it's kind of more maybe him working through some stuff. Yeah, could be. This is co-written by uh, Nick Castle. So mm. that's kind of an interesting little yeah. tidbit there. Uh, Nick Castle, the, the, the shape from Halloween, mm-hmm. Michael Myers. <laughs> so Michael Myers co-wrote Hook. Mm-hmm. Kind of, kind of a fun. That's a fun fact. Yeah, that's a fun fact. <laughs> uh, of course, Nick Castle wrote a, a ton of yes. real, really huge movies, including Escape from. Oh no, he did characters. Escape from LA. He wrote Escape from New York. I see. Anyway, uh, that's Hook. Yeah, not. Uh, eh, does, if, doesn't doesn't really hold up. I think it's a movie where if you have an interest in seeing it, you should watch it because it probably means that you saw it when you were a kid and liked it. And so, yeah, but otherwise I imagine if you're coming through to the first time as an adult, you probably don't have a lot of interest in seeing it and you don't have to. Yeah. The thing is, it's like not a whole lot different than all of those like generic Disney live action kids movies, you know, like, at the onset, it makes you feel like, okay, there's going to be a little bit more substance here. There's going to be some stuff that appeals to the adult crowd. Um, you know, like a, like a lot of other kind of Amblin-style movies. But but not really. I mean, this is very much planted within, like, the kid movie, you know, genre. Uh, okay, so for our, our, for our next movie, we... The podcast just fell apart. We... We had a little bit of a miscommunication here, and we actually watched two different movies. So this is going to yes. be this is going to be a fun little thing. Uh, oh, so, so yeah, go ahead. So last month we talked about what we were going to watch next month, and then I typed it into our shared Google spreadsheet, and then I uh, did not look at it again and misremember what was on it. I do remember you mentioning Matilda, though. Like I, yes. I remember. In mentioning that, but like when when I was looking at the lineup, I just looked at the sheet and like I didn't like maybe we maybe there was a chat or something about it. Anyway, I th- yeah, yeah. So <laughs> I wrote down Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, Hook, and Sino Man and Jumanji, and then I forgot to look at it again because at some point we were like, I think I threw in Matilda as a possible movie, and yeah. I watched that too. Uh, or instead of Encino Man, rather, even though I specifically remember having a conversation about watching Encino Man. Oh, man. Oh, well. So, yeah, we're going to kind of do, like, book reports, basically. Yeah, so um, so I'll, I'll talk about Encino Man. Ken will mm-hmm. talk about Matilda. And then, and then we'll and, talk about Jumanji. And then we'll talk about Jumanji to, to cap it all off. So uh, Encino Man came out I, I guess it it kind of threw you off because I, I referenced Encino Man during yeah 
I was during the bill and Ted. trying to figure out what you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I bet, I bet that was really confusing. Yeah, but I was like, I'll just assume that he's kind of making a connection that I didn't make, and it'll make sense when he says it. And then it kind of did, but it, as soon as you said Encino Man, and then I was... <laughs> and then <laughs> I just said... I literally just said on mic... Uh, we have i i said uh-oh like i didn't want to uh, like you thought i was still on message about encino man and then i said we have a problem here yeah i was gonna i was like oh no what happened what, what did i do i just assumed five years I watched and it. i've never done that before yeah oh well now now we get a you, there's a, just a bonus there's a bonus movie in this listeners you're getting movie. five movies today so encino man came out on may 22nd 1992 uh, it's directed by Les Mayfield. The I have a synopsis here. When they find a frozen caveman in their backyard, two high school outcasts follow him and introduce him to modern life while he, in turn, gets them to actually enjoy life. Okay. So, uh, I guess, did you, have you ever seen Encino Man before? I am not. So I, I saw this, like, I think once as a kid, I remembered pretty much nothing about it except for, like, a couple of the, like, kind of, um, you know, quotable things from, from Pauly Shore. So this, this stars Sean Astin and Pauly Shore, and they play, like, best friends who are kind of losers in their school. They get bullied and stuff. And then Sean Astin is like digging a pool in his backyard and ends up finding a, a caveman frozen in a block of ice. And that caveman is played by Brendan Fraser and they, they thaw him out and then they like give him a haircut, clean him up. And then they enroll him in high school because you know that makes sense that that would work and then you know it's your kind of typical fish out of water type scenario uh i will say that it does not hold up uh this is another one that i think if maybe you were really into it as a kid it you know it, it maybe would you would get some enjoyment out of it today but it's very annoying, very abrasive. I just, I can't say as I recommend Encino, man. I think uh, definitely, it's definitely a movie of its of its time. Uh, got mm-hmm. it, 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 it has that kind of SoCal surfer, skater dude vibe. Where the Stone Age meets the Rock Age. <laughs> so yeah, uh, I it just doesn't it just doesn't work for me. Like I didn't I didn't really like it as a kid. So also my dad really hates Pauly Shore. So I, I never got super into Pauly Shore stuff because mm-hmm. he was basically like I don't want Pauly Shore in this in this house. <laughs> and I had to sneak a copy of yeah yeah, yeah, you had to covertly watch yeah to covertly watch jury duty yeah and Mm son-in-law yeah dude he's just annoying like everything in this movie is just kind of annoying some of it is mildly funny but not really it's it's mostly just just bad it's just just bad it's a bad movie i can't recommend it so course the reason that uh that it was briefly back in the news this year is that it uh now features two academy award winners in its cast yeah that uh that is true it does um i don't think that that really you know adds too much to the prestige of of this that that doesn't that doesn't bring back uh that that doesn't uh justify bringing encino men back into the discourse I don't think so. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting relic, I think. You know, it's an interesting time piece. But but I also feel like there are other movies that encapsulate this vibe in a better way. I mean, Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey is definitely one of them. But I think that there's other like kind of fish out of water uh, movies that are that handle it better too. So 
I just realized that that Brendan Fraser was in that blast from the past, which is another kind of fish out of water hmm. thing. Anyway, tell me about Matilda. Uh, okay, Matilda. Uh, description. Uh, a girl gifted with a keen intellect and psychic powers uses both to deal with her crude, distant family and free her kind teacher from their sadistic headmistress. This is from 1996, directed by Danny DeVito. Uh, so, have you seen Matilda? I think I have. Um, I, I, I only vaguely remember it. So, I, I probably saw it when I was younger and just mm-hmm. don't remember too much about it but i saw them the the musical the recent musical mm-hmm. yeah the, yeah there was uh there was a musical a few years ago that it was uh recently they did a film of it and put it on uh netflix uh so matilda was uh back in the news based on the uh a later period rolled doll uh novel uh this is an interesting movie i don't think it's a great movie but it's a very interestingly made movie because in the way that it's filmed and the way that its world is kind of realized it's what Danny DeVito as a director does is that he kind of quite consciously makes a horror movie for <laughs> small children mm. yeah <laughs> like this is this 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 is very much a movie like placed in like just the visceral kind of fear and and anguish and and discomfort of living in its world because you have um Mara Wilson as Matilda, this girl who is uh, extremely neglected by her parents, who are played by uh, Danny DeVito and, and Rhea Perlman, she's very interested in in reading and, and learning, and they are not, and are, have absolutely no interest in sending her to school until uh, Danny DeVito's character is this uh, used car salesman, extremely uh, corrupt, uh, sells a car to uh, this uh, very cruel headmistress uh, of a school, uh, Miss Trunchbull, played by uh, Pam Fer- Sue, is excellent in this movie. Uh, very good cast in this movie, uh, with lots of uh, very uh, kind of bizarre different currents in, in this material. Uh, and it's a terrible place to, to be in school, except for this one very nice, very encouraging teacher, Miss Honey, played by M. Beth uh, Davids. And then Matilda also has uh psychic powers to yeah move things and command the elements and that's the movie it definitely uh, uh it, yeah it is funny that we were just talking about like that uh like the borrowers and mouse hunt and like that that style of of movie because this is definitely that this definitely fits that style mhm it, that is an, very, that is is kind of an interesting, like this this movie and like yeah I would say Mouse Hunt and it I, I don't even know how to describe what I'm picturing in my head except I could just say it feels very French if that makes sense. <laughs> it's like uh you know like kind of like Paddington also sort of has that vibe to it that you would vaguely believe that it's like n- not. That that it's not, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't know. I I understand what you mean. They feel like they they feel like they could be. I I think I get what you mean. It feels like two very different kinds of French movies, but both that could plausibly be. Like they they just uh, like they 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 take place in like they'll often take place in like very kind of ornate old looking buildings and houses and stuff, and they always have like kind of a very gothic. Uh, almost vintage vibe to them. Everything is kind of like wooden and brown, and mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, it's very like the the, the 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 settings of this movie are very exaggerated. You know, the the all the locales that it takes place in, up to a point, are sort of meant to be very off-putting and 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 frightening, and just generally unappealing in a certain way. Uh, and so that's why I say it, that it's very much about kind of emphasizing the cruelty in this world that uh, for Matilda and at the school for her and all the other children in it with the, like the, these just like uh like absurd levels of just tyranny 
and but also played kind of seriously to an extent and so that's why i kind of say it is like it is very much like a horror movie in terms of how it's structuring those uh components uh so it's very interesting to to watch um or rewatch in my case rather uh i also note on the imdb uh this is from an era when the mpaa was just starting to do the rating subscriptions and and was getting very very ornate about them Mm. uh so i like that it's rated pg for elements of exaggerated meanness and ridicule (laughs) (laughs) i feel like they would just say like fantasy violence or something now probably yeah probably cool so um sounds like sounds like you're recommending matilda Uh, yeah I, i i am i i don't think it's you know, it's one of those things where it's not exactly and if terrific, I remember, or as, but I recommend it. And if I remember correctly, it was like one of those movies, like the where it was still during an era where kids' movies were still kind of dark, and like oh yeah, like you, you like you might not see some of the stuff that happens in that movie today. Yeah, there, there's more honest see about like the peril that like. Uh, that the children are being put in at the uh, at, at the school. Um, yeah, I, I I would think I would think so. It, but its world is also very uh, exaggerated as well. So it puts it in a, an interesting place. Like the like the that it's exaggerated, and you know that it will uh, obviously end well. But the the menace and the threat, as it is, is is, is quite tangibly real at at the core of it even if it's being presented in a very exaggerated way uh so, so yeah th- there, there's a lot of interesting ways that that um devito as a director puts this movie uh together uh, i do i do like that we kind of talked about the the the, the possible fr- frenchness of a way that a certain movie could be put together <laughs> when both you know matilda and paddington are uh you know british b- books yeah yeah but I, I i know what you mean um yeah uh i i would say that um i didn't really like the the adaptation of the musical the netflix one uh i wasn't really a big fan of it but this i th- i think i would prefer to watch this one mm-hmm. all I, right yeah i i'd, I'd worth seeing so that's matilda uh, let's talk about our final film this month. As we mentioned, it's Jumanji. This is directed by mm-hmm. Joe Johnston. This came out on December 15th, 1995. So this was like a big, uh, big high profile release. I have a synopsis here. When two kids find and play a magical board game, they release a man trapped in it for decades and a host of dangers that can only be stopped by finishing the game. Uh, this was one that did, this was a movie that I liked quite a bit as a kid too. I didn't like love it or anything. Maybe I did. I don't know. I don't, I don't recall. I do remember that I had a Jumanji book, which was really cool. And my cousin had the Jumanji board game, which was not nearly as cool as the Jumanji board game in the movie. I feel like they missed an opportunity there. Like to, I, I guess it was probably a cost thing, but they probably could have made a really cool board game with like, you know, that, that fold that was made of wood and like unfolded. Maybe they did. And, and my cousin just got like the cheap Milton Bradley one or whatever. <laughs> but, yeah. Maybe one where there was like a really limited edition and yeah, then yeah, the, like, maybe. the mass produced ones were maybe. Um, anyway, is, is, have you seen Jumanji before? Is this a, is this a uh, fresh watch? I, I believe I had seen it. I believe I'd seen it before. Maybe not the whole thing, but I'd seen parts of it before. Yeah. Um, uh. I think it's been quite a few years since I've seen it. I, there were certain things that I kind of forgot all about. Like, like I remembered that Robin Williams character was like stuck in the game for 20 years, but I kind of forgot that they spent a decent amount of time, like building up to that, like the opening, of the movie takes place in like the 1800s. And then, and then we jump forward to 1969 where we see like a young Robin Williams who's, who's playing the, and, and, um, and Bonnie hunt who are playing the game. And that's when he gets sucked in kind of forgot about that, 
but also like there's the scene when when the kid, when young Robin Williams gets yelled at by his dad at the at the shoe factory and he and also forgot that David Allen Greer was in this completely he leaves and then gets beat up by these kids and it's like there are so many people outside like this is you know small town USA where it's they're, they're right in like the downtown area and it's just like this little bustling neighborhood and there's all these people outside very Americana and this kid is getting his ass beat by like five five other boys and nobody does anything like they're just pounding his face into the dirt and nobody breaks it up or stops it they just let it let it play out Mm-hmm. And then leave when they're done pummeling him, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny. Yeah. So, yeah, you have, uh, as I mentioned, Bonnie Hunt, Robin Williams, and then the kids uh, are played by Kirsten Dunst and Bradley Pierce. And, um, you know, it's it's kind of a fun like family kind of adventure action adventure movie i think yeah it, it, once it gets into it this this song this is a very kind of fun movie that moves at a very nice clip and is very uh inventive and resourceful about all the different ways that this concept is realized there's just something this feels like the peak of a certain kind of like trend and maybe fantasy filmmaking uh, for sort of children oriented of, of the era. It feels like this kind of achieved something that movies after it were still trying to chase for a while. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I'm not quite sure what it is, but I don't think they really got there. No, I don't. I don't, I don't know, man. I, I feel like to some of these movies, they just came out at just the right time. And they they just they caught lightning in a bottle with some of them. They were just they were just. I mean, I so in preparation for this discussion, I watched the two new Jumanji movies, the ones that came out in 2017 and 2019. And so I'll compare the two of them when we get to it. But just it, they they have just a complete just a whole other vibe. Like they're they they feel so different from one another. One yeah, the, like. The- it's not even a comparison. It's really not. There, there, there's something to the the kind of sort of mm, playful but very uh, precise vibe of this movie that I don't think I've seen from another kind of major studio American film. Yeah, it was uh, like in quite it, a long time. It's 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 playful yet it's very dangerous. Like yes, a lot of the stuff that happens in this is, is like pretty pretty serious you know like mm-hmm. like kirsten dunst getting shot with the like poison flower thing like there, there's some pretty serious stuff that happens in this movie and but also like i don't think they did a good enough job justifying them continuing to play the game like <laughs> like the the uh, uh, by that point so they got robin williams back and all that happened was like some dangerous bugs got loose, some monkeys, and I think that the stampede happened at that point too, and maybe the 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 lion. And that's that's it. That's it. You know, like those are bad, sure, but animal control can take care of that stuff. You know, like why put Definitely yourself be an unusual call to get in New Hampshire where it's set. There's a lion. But, but why put yourself through all that just because? their their aunt is is coming home from work and they need to take care of this before their aunt gets home from work you know like why put your life on the line for that yeah i feel feel like they could have just come up with a better excuse to continue to have these characters continue playing the game especially like bonnie hunt who like has no skin in the game really like yeah, very much did not want to get back involved with this for understandable reasons. And Robin Williams, who was stuck in the game for 20 years and just got out and and then uh-huh. agrees to continue playing it. Like, I don't know. It just I feel like we needed a little bit more of a, yeah. a reason for them to keep playing. But well, well, the, when they keep playing and it gets more fantastical and more uh, dangerous, it does allow me to, to give another one of my uh 
specific lists for this podcast, which is number of movies we've talked about in the last two months that involve a large uh, home uh, being uh, filled with comically large spiders, <laughs> two. Yeah. Yep. I liked the I liked the spiders in this one. The yeah, the, the, they were like an, sort of animatronic, like puppet, the puppet spiders. Mm-hmm. That's that's the thing. I, the I thought that the practical effects were really good in this movie, and the CG was really bad. It was it was, I mean, it was it was fine for ninety ninety five, mm-hmm. like, but like the monkeys specifically looked really bad. Like those were mm-hmm. awful. <laughs> the all the stuff with the monkeys was really awful, but. You know, a lot of the other stuff looked pretty good. In fact, like the lion, I couldn't even tell if they were using like a real lion at some point or in some parts or if they were like, I know that some of it was animatronic, but I don't know if there was like CG involved, but the lion looked really good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that looked like a straight up real lion. And then also like the stampede scene I thought looked really good, like when the elephant was stomping on the cars and stuff. It's kind of wild when you see a movie from like 95 and you realize like the CG has actually not gotten that much better <laughs> over <No>. time. Like, <laughs> like really good CG in movies from, from the nineties is almost indistinguishable from, you know, CG today. And actually I think CG has gotten worse, but that's, that's a whole other mm. It's a whole other discussion topic. Mm -hmm. But so the way that it, the way that it plays out, if you win the game or or once the game is over, everything goes back to the way it was before you played the game. So in this, because Robin Williams was stuck uh, in the, in the game for 20 years, when the game was over, he went back to, when he was a kid and then then we jump back to the present and he and and bonnie hunt are married and they're expecting their their first child and then they end up meeting the two kids that they played the game with but of course the kids didn't remember that they played the game even though it doesn't none of the time trap like the time stuff makes a lot of sense to me Mm-hmm. I feel I feel like we need to kind of unpack the whole, yeah, time yeah. stuff. It's the kind of use of that that makes sense while you're watching it, but now that you're bringing it up, I don't know anymore. Yeah, and like the whole one of the whole things was that the two kids were their parents were killed, and I, I guess after Robin Williams went back and relived his whole life. And, and they like his parents survived and he gave them a job at this sh- or gave the, the dad a job at the shoe company or something. Yeah, because yeah. And now because he's there, then he's able to it's, it Save stays running and he's able to inherit it. Yeah. 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 That's the other thing. Uh, so after after Robin Williams gets lost in the game, like basically his his father who who owns this like shoe company where that basically employs the whole town he he just mm-hmm. he loses it and eventually the 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 uh the factory shuts down and like it puts the entire town into like this uh this 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 downward spiral where now it's just you know uh overridden with with crime and poverty and it's mm-hmm. it, yeah it's it, it's it's cloudy all the time. Yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that uh, that stuff really worked for me. Like, I, I I don't know that that stuff needed to be in, in this kids movie. But well, that's the the interesting thing about it is that it is trying to kind of reach a bit a bit broader. I think with more success than Hook did. Um, and there's also the the degree to which, and this ha- this happened a couple of times now. Um, this is based on like a 30 page, 32 page, uh, children's book, mm-hmm. uh, by Chris Van Allsburg. I think another one of his like, uh, 
32-page books was made into the Polar Express, another feature film. So there's a lot of expanding of that of that world. When you want to talk about bad CG, well, <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you've revisited the Polar Express at all over the years, but holy cow, that one. I it's a movie I liked when I was younger because it came out at the right time for it to be everywhere and kind of make its way into the the uh, the culture for for children and so I liked it I watched it a bunch when I was a kid uh, and then you know ju- you're just away from it long enough to come back to it and you, you just can't stop looking at it <laughs> not in the same way <laughs> I mean also if we're going to talk about uh, thirty page children's books made into much uh, into much more expansive films and franchises Shrek. So, so yeah, that's a that's a proud film tradition, but with decidedly mixed uh, results. results. Yeah, not all of them ended up working. I, I still, I, you know what? I think it loops back to the point where I start thinking about the Polar Express a lot again, just because it's like I can't believe that this is here. <laughs> Maybe we'll have to do a show on on some of these. I think Polar Express was two thousands, wasn't it? Yeah, two thousand four. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, and probably uh, yeah shrek was 2001 2001 yeah but uh it's it's definitely it's it's definitely worth somebody talking about yeah there's cat in the hat too cat in the hat from 2003 and then of course the the live action grinch from 2000 man what a time early aughts what a time for adapting uh short children's books yes yes Yes, that, that, that is a fascinating route to go down. So the, uh, the, the, the new Jumanji movies, have you seen either of the two new I ones? I have not. Eh, don't bother. I uh, didn't think I had to. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about it is that they do, if you're not, so if you're not familiar, the new Jumanji movies are, it's like a video game instead of a board game. So Basically, there's these uh, these kids, these high schoolers who they get they get put in detention breakfast club style. You know, you have these uh, these this this varied cast of characters who all end up in detention and they find this old video game console and it has a Jumanji game in it. And they they're like, well, let's let's just play it. And it sucks them into the game. So rather than like things coming out of the board game or coming into the real world uh, in the two new Jumanji movies the, the the people get sucked in. And the whole like bit is that they, they are basically transported into the bodies of the avatars that, that, that they pick. So you have like the rock and Jack black and Kevin Hart and uh, Karen Gillum in as the avatars and, you know, it's your it's just your typical modern action adventure. Like it's it's your typical rock movie, really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some of the set pieces are decent, but for the most part, it's just really generic. Um, they do they do show how the board game is converted into the video game too, which is something that I thought was kind of interesting. I didn't think that they would bother linking linking the the two movies but they actually do so if you remember at the end of uh, the original movie uh, there's like some people who see it's like washed up on the shore well um, yeah the new movie uh, picks picks up right right then where these like surfer dudes find it and uh, and play it and the same thing happens so basically one of them he, the, the the dude who finds it plays the game by himself and he gets sucked into the game and he's just there for like 20 years and he's played by Colin Hanks by the way and uh, you know at the end the same thing happens where he goes back to to the 90s when he first played it so it's like the same kind of thing mm-hmm. the sequel's just more the same basically except this time you have Danny DeVito as and Danny DeVito and Danny Glover as two of the players. And and you get to hear The Rock doing a Danny DeVito impersonation. And it's every bit as horrible as you would imagine. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, um... 
that's an interesting journey for that for that franchise. Didn't they all? Didn't at least like the 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 second one made like a crazy amount of money. I think that that both of them were I would, successful, yeah. and I would imagine they set it up for a third one too. So maybe after the strike is over, they'll they'll revisit the the franchise and and yeah, cap it looks it like off. it. Yeah, uh, welcome to the jungle. Uh, the second one from twenty seventeen made. Nine hundred and ninety-five million dollars. Oh my goodness! Woo. And the next level in twenty nineteen made eight hundred and two million dollars. <laughs> yeah, there's no way they're gonna leave. Yeah, that. they're gonna make another one. Yeah, I mean that's that's the rock bump. You know, any anything that the rock is in, you you, you instantly get that like probably several hundred million dollar bump. Yeah, well, that, that that's been what uh, has been said about him a lot. He's like kind of one of the the few sort of kind of traditional movie stars in that way where he where it's you know he is kind of just his presence as yeah you go as a personality as part of the 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 marketing yeah you go see the movie for the rock it's not like you go see the movie because it's looks like an interesting movie or whatever i i kind of i feel like yeah they're really i know this is very much a played out comment but there really aren't a lot of actors that are part of the marketing like go see that because this person's in it in terms of like major blockbusters which are so you know f- otherwise j- just about the franchises so that that is that is worth worth noting i'm actually okay uh, with yeah that. yeah i i don't i don't really think about it one way or the other much much i guess um i just think that that's interesting is that's how th- that that was for a while how most major films were were Mm-hmm. were kind of put together and marketed and now that's much more rare mm-hmm. uh i i guess i'm just not a fan of the lo- of a lot of the movies that 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 are there and in, in just the way that they kind of start to feel anonymous but that that there's multiple reasons for that oh yeah yeah i mean yeah. those new jumanji movies like they're yeah pretty much indistinguishable from each other like I, I would say maybe the second one was a little bit better as far as like the the uniqueness of the set pieces and stuff but like also it's just it still was pretty pretty generic to me mm-hmm. and the cg yeah. the cg in the original one looked better except for the monkeys <laughs> yeah uh yeah and i i think when we talk about kind of like blockbuster filmmaking writ large i think what people really miss are just when a movie could and really cherishes when there's like a movie that's not a part of a franchise like jumanji or or a comic book franchise making uh a lot of money in in theaters um but anyway i guess i'm getting a bit abstract here yeah yeah but well but you know they do still make kind of the mid-budget movies for grown-ups so to speak as as are much lamented but the problem is yeah they just kind of uh, appear in a non-prominent space on the homepage of a streaming platform or something like what like so you have to scroll down to find it yeah yeah well at least there's a space for for mid-budget yeah, yeah. movies now as, yeah as long as there be you know you want them to be appreciated and they'd be even more appreciated in the theater i think that the version the the one maybe the peak version of that that we go back to on this podcast is that the firm was like a fourth of july release <laughs> Yep. Go back and listen to our episode where we talk about the firm. That's uh now that 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 is that is uh, something else is a movie. Oh yeah. All right. Anything else you want to add about uh, Jumanji or or the, the 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 rest of the slate as a whole? Um. No. I uh, in this. I think the well. It, it's something that we just kept coming back to. It's it's we're capturing a very specific moment and how these kinds of films were being made what they looked like what they felt like and kind of how they were being uh shown to and 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 um catering towards who their intended audiences were uh in ways that you really wouldn't imagine them being made uh the same way now or marketed the same way now or even thought of the same way now and so that's kind of what this one of the the many overarching currents of this podcast is kind of 
being able to make that uh, comparison. So I think that was very much worth it, and uh, particularly for the movies like uh, Hook and uh, and uh, Jumanji, uh, and to an extent Matilda. And you got uh, five movies uh, to listen to us talk about this month. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> because I made a mistake. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, I think that's going to do it for, for this month. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your 90s memories to 90s at filmpulse.net. You can DM us on social platforms at 90s pod. And if you have a moment, consider reviewing us on iTunes. That'd be great. Until next month, for Kevin Bakley, my name's Adam Patterson. This has been Saved by the 90s. Bye, everyone. 